Hello, I'm Richard Edgar, and I'm in Davos in Switzerland with Fidelity International's Chief Executive Anne Richards, who's been attending the World Economic Forum here. Welcome, Anne. Uh, Richard, it's wonderful to be here, chatting to you again. Excellent. Now, you spent the week with political and business leaders from all over the world, tackling subjects from uh, the economy to Ukraine. What's been your biggest takeaway? There's no forum quite like this in terms of bringing together all these various different stakeholders in the world economy, which is why it's so fascinating. The two big takeaways for me are, first of all, it's really terrific to see how much the thinking has already started to get going on the reconstruction for Ukraine and what that means, both in terms of sectors and what the financial services system is, you know, can, can do to help that. Um, so that was really, really interesting. And the second point is just talking to policymakers, to regulators, first of all, on monetary policy, it's really clear the central banks feel they have a very narrow line that they are walking. They're finding it very difficult to calibrate what they are doing. So we need to be mindful of that uh, as we go forward. Um, But interesting how we're already trying to link that into conversations around what are the implications for the decarbonisation trajectory that we need to accelerate. So, you know, lots of really interesting conversations linking some of these things up together. And there were a lot of central bankers here, I noticed. Um, Was there a, a, a coordinated message from them, do you think? Or was it just now is a tricky time, so they want to address the business audience here? It's kind of interesting. I mean, they're clearly worried about hidden risks that they can't spot in the financial system. Um, but at the same time, um, they, I think, were to a degree in listening mode because they really feel they don't have the models that are helpful in predicting the future tra- trajectory. If you like, the tails are very fat at the moment in terms of the possible future paths. Uh, and so I think there was a lot of listening mode going on in terms of how we join up, up what's going on in terms of fiscal policy or monetary policy and what's happening in the real world. And it's stuff like this has been an economic cycle with a very different path to inflation and unemployment to any cycle that we've had in the last 30 years, probably. So that admission that they really don't have much in the way of the forward-looking view, uh, you know, it's not forward guidance anymore, it's forward guessing, um, is, I think, you know, part of the reason there are so many of them there. That's a good segue to our own forward-looking analyst survey, because we're about to publish the Fidelity Analyst Survey, the annual one, and the title this year is Light at the End of the Tunnel. Now, our CEOs and the, the, the business leaders that you've been talking to, do they seem to be reflecting this picture that we know that 2023 is going to be tough, but we can see a way out? I think that's been the general uh, consensus here. Um, the CEOs think that maybe the worst case scenarios for 2023 that we were all quite fearful about in the fourth quarter in a really deep recession, that the chances of that, they've not completely gone away, but they have receded. I think the fact that there's been some easing up in the supply chain, I think the fact that China is reopening and obviously making its contribution into that supply chain bottleneck, um, you know, maybe faster than expected, I think is making people just feel it's a little bit easier at the margin than they anticipated. I don't think anyone thinks 2023 is going to be easy, but at the margin, maybe there's a little bit more resilience than they expected. I have to say that in terms of how that translates through to markets, because of the point I made earlier about monetary policy, and the difficulty in calibrating that. I think we shouldn't assume that it will be a safe an easy ride in markets. It's not going to be a straightforward year, I think. We may test the lows again, but I suspect that we will come out of 2023 in a slightly more stable position and maybe slightly more optimistic than perhaps we came into it, you know, two, three weeks ago. 
Let's focus on financial services because I, I know you've had a lot of conversations with um, with people from broad financial services across the world. Another thing that comes out of the survey is buoyancy for um, the financial services sector. Certainly, that's to do with higher interest rates, so it, um, it helps their their business models. But what other aspects of um, the year ahead did you glean from those conversations? I think the big one that we've actually engaged with as an industry, with the policymakers, with the regulators this week, has been that there is a risk of a disconnect between the desire on the one hand from policymakers to drive risk, what they view as systemic risk, out of the system, and the need for masses amount of capital and private capital at that to reinvent uh, the global economy through decarbonisation to fund the reconstruction in Ukraine. And the question I think we haven't got to the bottom of is, what is the acceptable level of risk to enable the financial system to play its part in doing that? Because if we can't have risk within the system, we will not have return. They're inextricably linked. And I think policymakers have been struggling to make that connection. So I don't think that we have the answer to that conversation, but I think there has been some attempt this week to stimulate that conversation. And I think that's probably what the clearest message from particularly, I would say, European financial services companies are. How can we think more cleverly about capital requirements, about some of the, the things that sit around, you know, bank or insurance company balance sheets, maybe to to be able more productively to use some of that capital. And moving beyond um, the financial sector to the, the broader economy and, and, and companies, um, where there is a lot of focus on sustainability in general, and often here at, um, at the forum at, uh, in, in, in Davos, are they walking the walk as much as they're talking the talk? which is the charge that is sometimes levelled at them, particularly at the World Economic Forum, that there's an awful lot of talking, not a lot of doing. <laughs> um, well, there was a lot of talking, it's true. Um, I, you know, I think the stage that we're at for an awful lot of businesses is, you know, the last you know couple of years have very much been about thinking about targets, what is feasible, starting to think about what you then have to change in order to get there. The key is the transition plans, because you know there's a kind of triangle, if you like, between the affordability of energy, the security of energy, and then the greenness of energy. And how do you make sure that we decarbonize at the same time as, as ensuring that energy is there and affordable for the people that need it? And the, the war in Ukraine, in a way, has highlighted that, particularly in Europe. So the transition plans that get us from where we are today to where we need to get to are the vital element of this. We've done terrific work over the last three years getting towards the sustainable accounting standards, which I think has been a massive and very much WEF-led initiative to get to where the ISB and others are now, which I think is terrific. Now the focus is going to turn to figuring out what a good transition plan looks like. And again, bringing some element of standardization, at least of principles to that. We're very different from industry to industry, but bringing those principles into it so that companies don't get 10 different requests from 10 different shareholders or, or other stakeholders so that we, you know, we kind of get that commonality in there. And I think getting that clarity on the transition plans is the next important step to the doing stuff. And, and really so that everybody can be... That pulling in the same direction. Absolutely. Okay, um, thank you very much indeed. And thank you for listening. As always, you can find out more in these topics at your local Fidelity website or go to fidelityinternational.com. The analyst survey publishes in full in early February. The producer today is Seb Morton-Clark, but from all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. 
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.